I'm Carrie Adams, and you're listening to Carrie's Connoisseurs, coming to you from Solid Gold Podcasts. Here we talk to the movers and shakers, the drinkers, the dreamers, and all the people who make it happen in the liquor and luxury industries from around the world. Well, welcome to Carrie's Connoisseurs for this morning. I've got a special guest in my studio today. I only met her three, three weeks ago? Yeah, about two to three weeks ago, yeah. Riette Egging. I was invited to a wine tasting by an old colleague of mine for Montpellier Wine Estate, which I'm not particularly familiar with. And when I got there, I met Riette. And she and I, within the space of 10 or 15 minutes, found about 200 common points of interest. And we just hit it off, had loads of fun, lots of nice energy and chemistry, and I thought, we could do something with Montpellier Estate. Welcome Absolutely. to Thank you so Carrie's much, Carrie. Yeah, I'm honored to be here this morning with you. Thank you. So, beautiful morning. Unseasonal rain in Johannesburg. Lovely crisp morning. Yeah. Beautiful morning. I was up at about 4.30 because mm-hmm. I have a new rescue dog who is scared of the rain. Oh, shame. Yeah. So, Wallace keeps me awake all night. Well, then we haven't discovered this yet, but that we have this also in common. Because <laughs> yeah. I've got two Great Danes who wake me up at 5 a.m. Oh, each yeah. morning. So, yeah. Anyway, little Wallace, yeah. he obviously had some ghastly thing happen to him in his previous life oh, that involved thunderstorms. Mm-hmm. And the little thing is so terrified. Anyway, enough of the dog. And on to Riette and Montpellier. For those of you who don't know, Montpellier is a, a very historic site in Tilbach in the Western Cape and it's owned by a man called Lucas van Tonda who is the reason why Riet is there. (laughs) So we are going to get on to Lucas and Montpellier but before we get there I want to speak about Riet. Okay. (laughs) Where was Riet born? Um, I was actually born just outside the Kruger National Park in Nelspruit, of all places. Um, but I grew up in Potterstrom, where I met Lucas as a, as a child. I think we were like six or seven years Why old. Why did you grow up in Potterstrom? Was your father a farmer? No, was my father mine? was lecturing at the university. Oh, okay. but, yeah. And so did Lucas's dad. So we, um, and at some stage we were also neighbors and we went to school together, to athletics training. He actually taught me to drive when we were teenagers as well. Um, so we come along quite a long time and then um, grew up in Potchestrom, primary school, high school, varsity, um, and then moved down to Cape Town, got married. Um, elected- Not to Lucas. No. <laughs> Sounding like Lucas is sort of your your no, person. No, Lucas is such an important person in my life, a significant person in my life. I um, but it has never been more than like brother and sister. That okay. We've got this very very special relationship. Um, I got married. In fact, um, at some stage, my boyfriend at Varsity got married. To Lucas's ex-girlfriend of all city. Oh gosh! Yeah. So, so, so the plot thickens. Uh, all one and sisters. This can become okay. very interesting, but let's not go there. <laughs> um, so what happened then is uh, moved down to Cape Town, um, where I lectured at Salambosch University. I have, a ba- uh, I have a background in music, 
studied music, did um, um, education also, music education, became a musicologist, piano teacher. What is a musicologist? A musicologist is, um, and to be honest, I only really discovered the true meaning of a musicologist mm. while I was living in the Netherlands. Uh, I lived there for 20 years, got married to a Dutch um, guy. <laughs> <laughs> you never know these days. Um, God, you better not defend um, anyone. Yeah, and you know, to be really honest, I, I never considered myself very um, like a performer or a pianist, although I did study music, I went through everything, did my exams in piano, all of that, but it never really came naturally. But what I did have was a very deep um, interest in the background of music, the structure of music, the components, uh, you know, how is it all put together, the compositions, uh, uh, to really have an understanding um, about it. And in, in, and that actually came to bloom during the time that I was living in Europe. That, I mean, it's, it's so just all around culture, us. It's it everywhere. Yeah. And, um, and then I actually started or decided, you know, I considered myself more a musicologist than a musician, although actually I can play the piano, um, of, of course, and I have lots of fun with it. But and I'm I want not your clavinova. I want Lucas's clavinova. Um, I, I carry was there at his house <laughs> I and spotted saw it. it. Uh, Lucas is not going to get away with it. I well, want that clavinova. Well, that's, by the way, also a big passion that we always shared, music. You so also he saw clearly all plays lots, and, yes. Yeah, and his guitars as well. Um, it's it's a huge passion for, for both of us, and that's actually also something that we really try to integrate with Montpellier as well to organise music concerts. We really want to be associated also with the arts and the fine arts, like well, music that's what it's and all about. art. And that's why we love music and wine. And who was it who spoke about wine, women, and song? No, he no. wasn't wrong. It was a Greek. It was some god, I think. Oh, he, he must have been a god. Right. I'd pray to. Yeah, absolutely. I would pray to somebody who wanted wine. Women because and wine song. is actually is a, a form of art as well. Of I course, mean, to it a certain is. extent, yeah. it's chemic, uh, chemistry. You know, basic science. But from a certain point, it becomes. Well, art. it's chemistry. Yeah. It's sort of art chemistry in yeah. the cellar, isn't it? Yeah. This, yeah. The chemistry starts in the vineyards, and then you just pick it and move it into the cellar, it's, and you can make the most wonderful wine art. Yeah, and in it's fascinating cellar. to be part of that and to observe that as well. For example, I mean, what, like a winemaker to, to see after, let's say the Cabernet has been on wooden barrels, uh, for 12 months, maybe 18 months. And he will go with the wine thief, extract the wine, taste it to, de to determine when is the right time to get bottled. You know? know. And, and I would follow him and do it with him, and he would tell say, "No, the time is not right yet." And well, it's he would like do it like a for cake. a week or two. Yeah, and then just one day he said, "No, the time is right. Today's We're going to bottle." Yes, um, I mean that's fascinating. So you, yeah. so you got married. You went to university in Potterstrom. Yeah. And uh, what did your father lecture, by the way? Um, sociology. Okay. Yes, and later on he moved to the Faculty of Economics, um, more into labor relations. Yeah. That was a big mistake. <laughs> anyway, that's him. You finished at university and you went down to Cape Town. You met an, a Dutchman in Cape Town? No, also actually in, also in Potsdam. Oh, did you? He was born in Holland but uh, grew up in South Africa since he was 12 years old. Yeah. Met your husband, married him and then why did you decide? He want to go back to his homeland or what? He was one of five children, siblings who always said that he would like to go back and um, 
the opportunity came when he was doing his MBA at Stellenbosch University to go as an um, exchange on the exchange program to the Erasmus University in Rotterdam. And we said, yeah, okay, let's do this for six months. Our son was just, just turned about two years old. The time was right to do this. And after he finished his studies, um, the job opportunities and job offers came in and we said, okay, let's go uh, for a year or two, maybe three. Oh, was he involved in music as well? No, not really. But okay. he, he's got, uh, yeah, he's quite passionate about it as well. So hop, yeah. skip and jump. We go to Rotterdam. We stay there for 20 years. Yeah, well, yeah, first six months and then uh, a couple of years we became 20 years, yeah. Which we don't years, have so. to go through all the ghastly things that happened that brought you home because I know that that was an unhappy time for you really, but you came home at the behest of one Lucas van Tonda because you were getting divorced, I think. Yeah. I was after a marriage of 13. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But at least also not you know what? You, <laughs> you, you overcome these things. It feels like it's awful at the time and then yeah. one day you wake up and you think, Maybe that happened for a reason, because now look what you've got in your life. Yeah. Now, I must admit and uh, give uh, Lucas also credit for that, although I still believe it goes two ways. Yes. Um, but, it, uh, you know, we sort of lost sight of each other for about 20 years while I was living there. And then he's, he came to visit me in Holland during my divorce, and he knew about... The fact that I was at a crossroad in my life, whether I want to stay in Holland or come back to South Africa. And through circumstances, which was actually quite sad, uh, something that happened on his farm, uh, which is, by the way, also a wedding venue, a very popular wedding yes, venue. We, we had in 2019 about, about 50 weddings almost every single weekend. Oh, and we are back at that stage again. Um, so that's uh, absolutely okay. amazing. And he urgently needed someone to come and help out with the weddings. Um, and I said, oh, okay, let me do this for a couple of months. Uh, rented my house in Holland for six months, came to South Africa and did that. But, oh, my word, I think I've told you, I hated every little bit of the weddings. I mean, in hindsight, if you think about it, I was like in the middle of a divorce. divorce. And I was so cynical, you know. You Listen, get... at the best of times, I don't do weddings. <laughs> I mean, everybody else got married in romantic churches. I got married in a courthouse. <coughs> Pardon. Sorry. I should have known then, shouldn't I? <laughs> Yeah, but on the other hand, if I look back, it was also quite fun. Um, but the advantage of that experience was that I, um, I always had an interest in wine and wine. And while we were living in Europe, visiting all the wine regions, even in California. And so that was already a passion of mine. But then I got much more interested in winemaking, shadowed the winemaker, harvested myself and got involved in all the processes and, um, I was very honest also with Lucas about the wedding thing, that that wasn't really <laughs> my thing. Oh, my word. A apart from the fact that I was cynical about it, was it's I've never experienced it's really hard work. I mean, Something happens you know, to women, I think, when, when, they, when they're asked to, to marry someone. Something seems to go pin in the head and they go a bit daft. You know, once yeah. these brides pull out like a, a what's this, a mouthband, like a measure tape. Yes. And start measuring how far the guests should sit <laughs> apart from each other, you know, oh, that kind of Better thing. Still, um, <laughs> they, get a, they get a wedding planner. Blimey. Yeah, some of them get like two when, or three. And they spend um, three million rand. But let's not be judgmental about yeah, it. Let's I, not. I've also learned, you know, yes. each for its no, own. It's nice I for just them. want to mention for brides to be, you know, what was the, the, 
how can I put it, the wedding that I enjoyed the most was from a Belgian couple who actually by accident um, arrived on our farm one December afternoon and they were tasting our wine, sitting next to the swimming pool under the oak tree, enjoying uh, sipping on a Chenin Blanc. And they were actually just, they planned to actually just visit for the afternoon. And late <laughs> afternoon, they, they, they got asked, married. Um, no, well, not, not yet. <laughs> ask whether we do have accommodation. They, they can stay over, which we do have. We can accommodate almost 100 people sleeping on the farm. We said, yeah, sure, you know, we can accommodate. They stayed for five days. They oh. just couldn't leave. And during those five days, also decided this is where they want to get married. In the next year, this, um, October it was. And that was the best wedding ever. They were so chilled, so relaxed. And the morning, a day or two before the wedding, I went with the, with the bride-to-be through a checklist. Have you thought about flowers? What are we going to do about that? It was a garden wedding. <laughs> they invited all their family and friends from Belgium, also smallish, about 60 people. Um, so, um, no, not really, but... You know what? I thought we'll just go into the field and pick some wildflowers. Well, it's so pretty there that it actually is doable like that. Well, isn't it? it's not only that. Montpellier is such a magical, beautiful place. The most beautiful gardens. I always told uh, brides also, you don't need to uh, to spend lots of money on decorations because the whole environment is already so Quizzed. lovely and beautiful. You know, make yeah. use of that. But anyway, so you that didn't was... do. You told Lucas you were done with the wedding. <laughs> you wanted to do something. Over bit more substantial yeah and get involved in the wine and what have you which you did but you you've been doing it from Johannesburg haven't you well uh, may I just before we change that subject may use the opportunity I don't know if I can, <laughs> I can advertise you but no, no, no I just want lecture. to use the opportunity to actually say that you know what it also is I think if I was like uh, maybe 20 years younger it's it's it can be a very nice job for someone who's made for it and young and um, and by the way, we have a, a opportunity now. We are looking for a, a wedding <laughs> okay. coordinator on the form. Okay, Kilburg. so come to Carrie's um, Connoisseurs and you can get a us. job as a wedding coordinator. Um, it, no, it, I, I can imagine that for if you, there are people made to do this. I was more no, made to. I discovered my made. passion is more not really the marketing or the selling of wine because I also told Lucas I'm not someone who can sell anything. Um, but you know, it sells itself. I don't have to do it. It's such a wonderful uh, product. And so what happened, um, at some stage he needed someone to be his ambassador for his wines in Gauteng, where he also had a guest house here. Um, and I came to live in Johannesburg, managed his guest house also for him, and got involved in the marketing of the wine. And when was that? That was in around about October 2018. Yeah. And the rest is sort of history. So I don't know much of my job. I really. know you do, yeah. but I've tasted a couple of your wines. I haven't tasted all of those that you gave me because we've got a pack that you and I are going to taste them together. But for those of you who don't know Montpellier, because I didn't know Montpellier particularly well either, um, it's in Tilbach which is such a beautiful part of the Cape that many people skip when they go to Cape Town. They go sort of as far as Stellenbosch and then or maybe Franschhoek, yeah. and then that's done. But Paul and Tilbach are so two of my favorite places. Absolutely. It's very hot there. Yeah. It does get very, very hot there. Well, so wine farming is a little bit sort of hectic. But yeah. Montpellier is one of the oldest properties 
in the Cape. It's got a wonderful sort of 300 and something year old was, heritage. Yeah, it was established in 1714 by two brothers, the Ron brothers from Montpellier in France. Mm. Um, and it actually stayed in the, in the Tehran family through the... Many years. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think almost... Actually, Lucas bought it from Tehran. Yes. Um, and in fact, the vet Tehran was a bit of a trailblazer in the wine industry from mm. a viticultural and a, and a winemaking mm. perspective. I think he was, he was one of the first people who recognized that um, controlled temperatures during the fermentation process um, encouraged much more stability in the wine and produced much better wines. He also, and, and to that end, I think he was the first person to put cold water tubing and piping around tanks and things to make sure that that they were to, controlled temperatures. Yeah, and to, to prevent a premature ferment. Ferment, yeah. yeah. So he also, he had some quite forward-thinking um, viticultural practices. Mm. He was also very careful. I think he had that French attention to detail in the back of his head. Yeah. And I was going to ask you if that Tehran family had anything to do with winemaking in France. Because so much of what he implemented mm. was what they were already doing in Bordeaux at the time. You know? Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. I, I, I strongly believe mm. that was the case. Um, mm. And uh, we actually, uh, talking of which, we really um, try to also, um, our wine making is very similar to the tradition of yes. the French way yes. of making wines. And I can actually use one or two examples if you don't mind. Of to, course. Um, for example, talking, you, you mentioned the climate or the temperatures in Torbach earlier. Mm. It's, um, and believe me, I've harvested in February myself. 40 in something Torbach. degrees. Yeah, it sometimes. can go up to 40 degrees. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why we, about a year or two, three ago, started harvesting our grapes for the MCCs at midnight. Yes. Um, because it's just for the quality of the, of the, uh, method cup classic that you want to make. Just better to keep it cool as possible from the start to the, you know, once it got into the, the barrels. Um, so that's one of the reasons. But on the other hand, uh, our Syrah, for example, um, is our flagship wine, while our winemaker always tells me that's actually the easiest wine for him to make. And the reason for that is... He loves the heat. Well, it's exactly in the perfect, <laughs> uh, perfect environment. Fun, There's yeah. a terroir, the climate is very similar to the Rhone Valley, where it originally comes mm. from, which means it's got hot its feet summer and days. nice gravelly soil. Well, it's a, ro a rocky, rocky layer soil. on top and the thick layer of clay underneath, yeah, of, yeah, obviously. It. And then also in terms of the climate, it means hot summer days, but cool nights. Mm. And because of... Our location, ge geographical location, closer to the Karua, actually, than to Cape Town, um, which means semi-desert climate, cool nights, hot summer days, and that's exactly what the Shura is like. Mm. Um, and also a another thing that we feel very principally very strong about um, is to keep our red wines for a minimum of three to five years back in our cellar before, before you we release, release them. Our Syrah that we are selling now, for example, is a 2015. Um, 2015 was a cracker of a vintage in yeah, South Africa. We yeah, had a yeah, brilliant yeah, sure. vintage. Oh, it's such a lovely, and I, wine. I haven't tasted it yet, but I will do. We'll taste it together. Yeah. Um, the so you you became the brand ambassador in 2018. Yeah, you've been involved in winemaking and you've got yourself involved in the process of the whole farm. It's like a big drug. 
once you've <laughs> once you've had one snort of wine making, you want to do that for the rest of your life. Ask yeah. me. Um, so you you got caught by the the wine bug drug. Yeah. You are Absolutely. completely addicted, and I think you're almost on your way back to the Cape, aren't you? Well, you know that's another thing. Although I'm based in Johannesburg at this stage, um, I strongly believe that it's very important as an ambassador that you are hands-on involved at the farm itself. Mm. I never understand how some, if you go to wine festivals, you will, have, you know, how one can sell the wine if you haven't experienced the farm itself. I know. Um, and that is addictive. Uh, I just Completely. love going to the farm. It's like always when I enter our lovely gauge with the eucalyptus trees, I have to stop, take a picture, just take a deep breath. And smell. And even, you know, get a bit yes. emotional <laughs> arriving home. Um, it's, it's, so it, it, it is very important to me to, to visit the farm, um, quite uh, often and to feel part of the team involved at the form from the you know the people harvesting the grapes yes. uh, to the gardener to the winemaker himself we actually recently started um covering all our wines in wax as well instead of the foils okay. and there's literally this guy sitting outside the cellar in the hot, in the summer in, in the shade of a tree dipping the bottles of wine in this <laughs> wax and, um, and to know him by name and you know arrive there something and see everybody happy it's, it's this, very important yeah, yeah. Something so you're crying. right it is addictive but you, you your um, initial question was that I am um, maybe moving back not um, I always say, can I just interrupt myself? When people ask, um, I used to, when people ask me, where do I live? Even yesterday, I was at the bank and I, have, I had to give my proof of address. And they were asking what's my address. And I was about to I say, uh, okay, Park Mall, you know, Johannesburg. And I thought, no, maybe my car is registered in Tolbach. Um, <laughs> maybe that should be my official address. But, you know, there was time that I still had my house in Holland also. And so I would you're a bit, like, of a, be, a bit of a nomad. But I, 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 and I recently bought a, a place of my own in the Eastern Cape, um, just uh, between Jeffreys Bay and St. Francis. So that's another address that I've got in, in the meantime. But my answer actually to that, to that question is neither here nor there. You okay. know, the books from Bill Bryson, yep. one of the titles of one of his books yeah. is neither, neither here, neither here nor is it there. neither, neither yeah. here nor there. So that's how I, and I love the freedom of that. So I'm next week, Tuesday, leaving again for the Eastern Cape for stoop tasting in New Bethesda. Then I'll go to Montpellier, to Tolbach, to my place in, in, in the Eastern Cape, and back to Johannesburg. You, you see, yeah. I could do that because I'm a bit of a free spirit as well. Yeah. But I've got these two Scotty dogs. What do you do with your Great Danes? Yeah, that's, you know, I got myself involved in literally and figuratively two big problems. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I've got two little ones. I've got two little square ones. Yeah. Oh, I, I would have loved to take them with me um, everywhere I go. But luckily, their home is at this stage still um, here in Johannesburg. I've got uh, someone who really looks so well after them when I'm not here. Um, his name's Elvis. And, um, Elvis. Elvis. It's Has he our, got blue suede shoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, our gardener slash handyman slash, uh, <laughs> all of that, my right hand. 
And um, I know they are well taken care of and that's so. But, you know, they start. But who cuddles them on the bed at night? Yeah, no, no that's that? a thing. And that's why they get in, they oh, go into see. this depression <laughs> when I start packing. <laughs> you know, they will sort of, the ears will hang and the eyes. So you're a better person than me because I can't see the disappointment in my dog's face. No, it's, it's horrible. I, I know, I know, I hate that. And by the time I. You're going to go leaving. home and slit your jugular after speaking to me. <laughs> <laughs> but as we, are considering because they are actually that's another thing the thing that Lucas and I share is we have um, shared what shall we say ownership of the two great dogs custody yeah (laughs) so um, officially and uh, we are considering to um, move them down to the wine farm which I think will be lovely for them you know this space and there will be this feature you know these two great Danes you know who's Um, got beautiful great Danes in the wine industry is Olive Hamilton Russell yeah she got about four I think big beautiful ones yeah so back to get you and me back on track (laughs) one of the things that captivated my heart and mind when I first spoke to you because I also love music is the fact that you you put together an initiative that is music and wine on the farm and from what I can gather you and a friend co-arranged some Brahms or Bach, who was it? Bach. Bach. Yeah. Sweets. Where they go from little space to little space on the farm, the cellar, the vineyard, the tasting room, the barrel fermenting cellar, the whatever, and they play a different suite at each little location um, and pair that with one of the wines from the farm. I think that's gorgeous. I absolutely love that idea. Tell us more about that. Oh, I can get lyrical about this. Do oh, it, forgive do me, it. bye. It's such a lovely thing. Um, because I would actually also like to share with you and uh, our people listening um, how the idea, where it came from. Because it's, it's such, it's, it's so unique and so special. Mm. Um, to begin with, uh, as I said earlier, my, I'm, I, I'm very passionate about music and how it uh, gets put together. And I go through these phases. You know, I go through a Bach phase. At this moment, I'm going through a Mahler phase. Oh, my way, yeah, in Gustav. my car, I was like, Gustav, continue listening he's a bit to sort the, of, he's a bit bossy, Gustav. Yeah, it was interesting, but let's talk about Bach now. <laughs> okay. uh, we can, <laughs> that's, a, that's a very interesting topic as well. Maybe I can do a at Montpellier or I think we should do Weber. He's got a cello concerto that'll yeah, die yeah, yeah, for. Yeah, 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 do cello. But I said then we need Yo-Yo Ma there. Okay, okay let's go back <laughs> to Bach and Yo-Yo Ma because that's also part of the story. Um, how it all started was while I was uh, still in Europe, my son is also a cellist. He studied at the conservatory in The Hague. And so we were both very passionate about that. And I discovered did a lot of reading about the Bach cello suites. Um, it was actually rediscovered by, I consider him one of the best cellists ever, a, a, a Spanish cellist, Pablo Casals. Yeah, when he, he found was, the old manuscript somewhere. Well, when he was 18 years old, he mm. got accepted at the conservatory in Barcelona and he and his dad 
was walking through Barcelona with a new cello that his dad just uh, bought him. Mm-hmm. And they discovered in a small bookshop, um, rediscovered the, the sheet music mm-hmm. of the Bach cello suites. And he, from the first moment he saw it, he was hooked and fascinated by that and decided he is going to, because Bach originally composed the cello suites as study pieces. Mm. Eh? It wasn't really mm. no, uh, it composed wasn't really, as no. to be performed. Um, but Pablo Casals at some stage also later in his life had to, um, flee, uh, have to, um, flee. Yeah, flee is the right word. Barcelona. Eh? Well, uh, Sp- uh, Spain, Spain. Uh, for uh, the Franco regime. Because yeah, he was, he was a bit to of that, an activist. And he was very um, mm. expressive about it as well. So he actually had to get out of Spain. Mm. And, um, and he went to live in a little mountain village just across the border in the Pyrenees Mountains mm, mm. Um, um, in France. This little village is called Prades, and they still organize every year in August a, a Pablo Casals festival in this village. Let's yes. go. Well, I did go there with did my you? son. Yeah, with my son. We went there in you know, long ago. I think it was in 20, 2009. And, and they organized all these different concerts there. But what was special also about visiting Prades was, um, this, uh, monastery just outside the village surrounded by vineyards and Pablo Casals used to walk with his cello on his back early morning and go and study. He went to study in this monastery and that's also where he first recorded the six cello suites of Bach. So let's park that uh, concept for a moment or that idea. And then something else that my son and I also used to to visit every second year is there's a cello biennale mm. organized in Amsterdam at the Musikgebouw on it A um, for 10 days where everything is about the cello. I love it. The, it's 24-7, day and night, performances. Beautiful. I get all the best cellists from the world to perform and very experimental and interesting things. And even um, violin makers who come in the foyer of the Musikgebouw where they demonstrate how a cello has been made and the bows and all of that. But a fixed part of this cello biennale is for six of the ten, ten mornings they've got a Bach and breakfast, um, where um, each morning a different um, Bach suite is performed by each morning by different cellist, and as I say, they came from all over the world, and it's just uh, more or less thirty minutes. Definitely something to get out of no, bed it's amazing. for. Hey? So when the first time I visited Montpellier and I walked into our iconic little chapel, also surrounded by vineyards, which was built by Lucas on the highest point of the farm. It's charming little chapel. I just, you know, all these memories from Prades, Pablo Casals, the Cello Biennale, the Bach and Breakfast. Um, and I thought, this we must it. do something here. This is, uh, the idea was born there. And I started doing some research on cellists because really, believe me, there are not many cellists who are capable of doing this no. on one day. No, never. To perform all six cellists. It, it has actually also became this ultimate thing that every cellist in the world has to try is, and do has like to try to Bach, accomplish the yes Bach marathon and um, anyway so public uh, 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 you mentioned yo yo ma he was also is obviously also and he played the prelude uh, like at the uh, world trade convention uh, i could have died right there and then and gone to heaven yeah no absolutely mm. and um so i started doing some research and 
I discovered Peter Martens. Um, I still consider him the best, if one of the best, if not the best cellist in South Africa. Okay. He has actually also recorded the Bach cello suites on okay. CD, um, lecturing at Stellenbosch University. And yes, indeed, we have become friends in in the meantime. Um, we are organ and, and and I went to see him at Stellenbosch University, and we started talking about the concept. We organized the first one in 2017. It was a huge success. Um, only in the chapel, all six cello suites, and we decided we are going to do this every second year. Um, but every time, each time, just with a little twist to it. And the possibilities are endless. So the second time we paired it indeed with wine. And then the third time we took it a step further to, as you mentioned, to do it on different locations on the farm and pair a wine that goes with the atmosphere of the music and the setting. One of them was even in a tree house on the farm where Peter Martins, and he's such a sporter, this guy, uh, with his cello on his back, Climb the treehouse. Yeah, climb the treehouse. Why don't you marry Peter Martin? <laughs> now he's he's happily married with a lovely wife who's a violin, violinist. Oh, if I pronounce okay. it correctly, Susan But there Susan. is polygamy. No, but, uh, listen, everything in in life is not about getting married and finding a husband <laughs> or whatever. Really, please, person. I'm so You just spent the last that. ten minutes telling her <laughs> I hate women. <laughs> no, don't uh, marry Peter Martin. <laughs> I hope Peter isn't listening to this. Um, but the, the, so the two of us together sat down with the winemaker also and tasting the wines. And because each suite has got a different character, the first one, for example, is quite bubbly. And so we chose uh, one of our MCCs for people to drink while they're listening to this. I can't imagine Bach being uh, bubbly. No, well, relatively. Really what, I'm, what I'm saying, no, it is lively. I want to do it, but I want to choose the composer. It's not going to be Bach. No. Well, you, you know, okay, I'm very curious to know what, who that will be. <laughs> because if I can say, just mention that the, um, the year after the first Bach thing we did, uh, because Louis Heinemann, the um, director of the Kaiphilharmonic Orchestra, mm. was there at the Bach event. And he said, and we started talking, he would love to bring the orchestra to Montpellier as well. I'm sure. Which we did the next year. Oh, wow. In November 2018. And we did a full-on Mozart repertoire. But it was also because... You know, we just felt Mozart, Montpellier, MCC. We All chose ends. a weekend that it was full moon as well. It oh. was idyllic. It was absolutely I want amazing. to know, Riette, I have worked in this wine industry, but not just worked, sleeves up, hands in, 14-hour days, 35 years, I've worked in this wine industry. How come I didn't know about this music and wine at Montpellier? It's, I'm feeling like really left out. It yeah. sounds like the most... Gorgeous, gorgeous weekend. Are we doing one this year? Yes, we are doing another Bach because it's the second year now. We did our last one in 2021. Okay. Um, so just after stoop tasting that I've got next week in Bethesda, I will start focusing on that. But the date will be the 24th of September. It's a long weekend. And we, uh, Peter and I will go and uh, sit together and work out the whole concept because, you know, we've even got mm. this idea. There's a little lake on the farm oh. that we want to... Have to, 
to, have to, water. To, to put a float in the middle of the dam, not Gorgeous. the lake dam. Yeah. And we will row him with a little boat over to the middle of the dam. And the he's Europeans gonna play call them lakes. It's much more romantic. <laughs> the Africans call him Dama, Didam. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we, we, we are started working on the concept. People can then also, what we are going to do this, going to do this time is also to prepare little, um, um, Canopies, yes. you know, to, to, to taste while they are yes. listening to the sweeter and, um, in the afternoon or the evening after it on the 24th, have a pizza evening in our glass house on the farm and people are welcome then to stay over also and have a nice breakfast the next morning. We're going to have to advertise this thing. How many people can you have at a thing like that? Um, well, the, our, our only limitation is the chapel because we will do one of them and the, we can accommodate 100 people in the chapel. But, but we can, we can get, make a plan. We can know, get we these can children of mine who do music and sound and this mm. and that and they can put speakers in trees and things. Yeah, people can no, sit on the grass you know, outside the chapel. There's one thing I've learned in life. There are actually no limitations. No, you, know, you, you can, can do whatever you like. You know, it's, it's and especially possible. if it's just generating happiness and positivity and gorgeousness you can Especially definitely in do. this time huh? definitely I mean, do whatever you are. like um, so, so yeah we are very very excited about it the 24th of september save the date uh, in the meantime and um, it's going to be something it's just really about special. my birthday then i'll give myself a birthday present yeah and bring some friends along make a, I will a bring part some of it well, well i'm also turning 16 year, uh, this year maybe uh, i should uh, we should do like maybe a birthday we should do a celebration joint yeah thing. okay <laughs> anyway yeah, tell me what possible. are your and Lucas's plans for Montpellier going forward? Have you got any big, brave, new horizons that you're looking to? Or what do you do? Just more of the same? Well, <laughs> you have to know Lucas to know nothing well, will ever stay house. the same. Nothing stays the same with him. Um, and that's one of the things that I really, really admire at him. And, you know, at the stage when he bought the farm about 22, 23 years ago, it was so neglected in such a neglected stage not only the vineyards but also the the manor house the wine cellar and he has built it up to what it is today i always say he's got to be in his bonnet you know you always have to have a project he's got more projects That's than life good. left and um, so they will continuously be i know they are now working because he has become a father two years ago, two and a half years ago for the first time. Oh, gosh. Of a little baby boy. Has he not learned what makes women pregnant yet? <laughs> you know, I think, I think if you don't want to get pregnant, stay away from Montpellier because there's something <laughs> either in pregnant. the wine or the water. <laughs> because not only did he um, and his lovely wife, uh, Elke, became parents of a little baby boy two and a half years ago and then in February this year of a baby girl. <gasps> and our winemaker became father a year ago of a baby girl and his wife is expecting another child um, now soon so there is definitely something there I, I think am, we should stay away what do you think? I, yeah, no, I have my own thoughts on breeding programs <laughs> I've <been> on breeding <laughs> but no it's wonderful but back to, to the um, uh, I th it may be part of the reason why uh, I know they are working on a um, Something to actually have an entertainment area for, for families with small children as well, like fountains okay. and slides and like a activity thing going on, on on the farm. And he has built recently a wine library, like a slash tasting nice. room. Where, um, you can go we, and sit and read and drink. And not only that, uh, like at heaven. the library, we have one row of each of the wines, uh, vineyards planted with the name of it on as just like a sample of what it looks like. Nice. And so there, there are always new projects and new things. Um, 
going on there. Yeah, it's very exciting. Well, we're going to keep everybody up to date. We are going to keep our eyes firmly on you <laughs> and Montpellier and the music and the wine and everything that goes with it. If you haven't visited Montpellier yet, I haven't. I can't believe I haven't visited yeah, Montpellier. Yeah, please, by, at, at this, will, uh, this is an open invitation. Please, you're so welcome. Come. Please Thank come. You. And knowing Lucas and his generosity, he will, he will like put you in um, I sleep under the stars. I'm happy. I love the stars. Yeah. I am I, definitely going to come and please visit Please do that. You. May I, I just mention one last thing, yes. which is very interesting. Um, talking of, we've to talked about um, the music part, but there are two other things that I also just want to mention that I'm quite curious and excited about. You know, um, I mentioned earlier stoop tasting yes. in New Bethesda and Grafrenet next week. Um, the guild... The called guild of South Africa, the lady's name is Antoinette, the president of the called guild, approached me at some time because during the stoop tasting we're doing a lot of side events. We're doing MCC masterclasses, food and wine pairings. And she said, we would love to do, will it be possible to do a quilt and wine pairing? You know, you can go very far with these pairings. I even read an article of a Star Wars and, and wine pairing, you know, to, to wine pair goes wine, oh, with, really... wine goes with everything. But wine what, is love. <laughs> what I want to say is, so we are going to do it next week, uh, quilt and wine pairing. What we did so is... So what, I, are they going to make a quilt? Well, they did already. So okay. what we, what we did, I chose six wines and I, and they identified six court artists and I've sent samples of these, but each got one wine and based on the tasting notes, the look of and feel of the label, um, they each had to make a quote of one meter a by one meter. Quote. Okay. One by one meter. But these quotes, um, will after the stoop tasting event will be, um, can be, will be exhibited. You must at frame Montpellier. them. You must we are, frame We are them. going to put it at Montpellier yeah. in the wine cellar in the manor house mm. where people can actually go and mm. uh, have a look at it. And it will be for sale, sale as well, um, for a year. So and that's, I'm sure, the sort of entry into the world of art and wine, which we spoke about right at the beginning of the interview, because art and wine is another thing to Yes. And the about. last example that I want to mention, because that it's also one of my most passionate projects is I've, um, was fortunate to meet, uh, one of the most humble pe uh, persons I've ever met. It's an artist, a sculptress in living in Alexandria in the Eastern Cape between, um, Port Elizabeth and Kenton on Sea. Her name is Maureen Quinn and she's got her studio and a, a sculpture garden in Alexandria of all places. You mean, you will drive through Alexandria and maybe even know it's And there. this woman, yeah. this lady is turning 90 next year. Oh, wow. And she has exhibited from New York to London. There's some of her pieces at Munich University in Germany. Oh, really? Um, and what, what medium does she use? What, what? Uh, mainly bronze. Mm. Um, we, and, and that's what I want to say. So we, we, I won't go into details how we met. I met uh, one daughter and from one thing came the other. And we started collaborating about two years ago, organizing lunches at her sculpture garden, um, where she does a talk or a demonstration of her sculptures. And I do a masterclass on wine and the tasting. We did a chocolate and wine pairing, um, a bubbly, a brunch. Um, of, of the MCC and the last one we did in March now was a demonstration of the bronze pouring 
And then obviously we also poured some MCCs. So it was all about pouring uh, <laughs> wine and bronze. And, but anyway, the thing is this, this, this place is so amazing. So we are, um, going forward, plan to do lots of very oh, interesting things together. She's turning 90 next year. We are thinking, considering to do, um, exhibition of her sculptures at Montpellier also for celebration of her 90th birthday next year. That's fantastic. Well, we'll hear more about that because I'm going to keep everybody up to date as to what's happening at Montpellier. You can hear it's just a fountain of creativity and a, and a, a myriad of things coming out of that gorgeous space. So I'll keep everybody up to date on Thank that. Thank you so much. While we're saying 90-year-olds and what have you, <laughs> yesterday was the 18th of May and it would have been my mother's birthday if she was alive. But it was also, um, in fact, I think May de Lancasan is on the 17th of May. But a happy birthday to May de Lancasan. Lady May Elaine de Lancasan. Do you know her? No. She turned 98 yesterday. Who is she? She is the most remarkable woman in the wine industry. Oh, now I'm ashamed. No, I should know this. She's remarkable. <laughs> she, I, I had know? the privilege of meeting her quite a long time ago, and she was one of the owners what? of Chateau Pichon in what? Bordeaux. And okay. long story short, she sold that, and she yes. came to South Africa at the age of about 84, I think. Yes. And she bought a property, which is now Glen Ellie. That belongs to May. Oh. And she's turned it no, into I'm the most fantastic well. wine farm. Yeah. And I'm told when I wished her happy birthday, I was told that she has absolutely no plans for retirement at the age of 98. Isn't that just so wonderful? So cheers. I haven't so got a glass of cheers. wine, yeah, but we've coffee. got coffee. We'll cheers to Maida Lancasan and Maureen Quinn. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Fabulous it's women all about who, passion yeah. and being interested and interesting. Can I just share this little <laughs> thing about Maureen Quinn? <laughs> you got five minutes. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Not no, even. this will be one minute. But talking about inspirational, not only women, people, eh? because it, that's how, you know, what's what life is. is about and how you can grow old, like happily and in a positive way. This woman, one of her first lectures that I attended, she opened by saying, you know what? I've got two passions in life. This small, little, humble, almost 90 year old lady. And as you would, Expect one of them is my sculpture. Mm. And she paused a moment and she got this twinkle in her eye and she said, and the second one, you know what? I'm not going to share this one with you. <laughs> How cute is that? And I thought, I want to grow old like that. <laughs> no, no. I want to be made a little as well. I want to be 98. She sounds very, very 98, uh, not I, I would out. Love to. I hope I can meet her. Uh, so she's truly yeah. inspirational. Thank you. As are you. But so are you. Thank ah, you. That's, uh, thank lovely. you very much for joining me. Thank you for the invitation. I know everybody is going to explore and love Montpellier and everything that comes out of it. Thank you very much. So, I hope I haven't overstayed my welcome. You never. <laughs> we could go on and on and on and on. I can but go on and on. People about it, so, tell yeah. me that that listeners get bored after a certain time. And every now and again, Brennan says to me, I'm going to cut you off because you're talking rubbish. You're rambling. Oh, yes, cut me off. So, <laughs> I'm just sitting here talking to myself. But thank you. Thank you very, very much. It was such fun. Thank you so we'll, much. We'll see thanks, you Thanks, Gary. Yeah, thank absolutely. You. Yeah, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.